Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Weekend sports with a difference. Yeah, I really shouldn't be drinking. Oh, really? You learned that in med school that you obviously didn't get into? A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. He's a very gifted singer. I'm really, really good. How good? I've been called the songbird of my generation. Stop. By people who've heard me. That good. On 1080, The Fan. I'm very curious if anybody's out there listening to us today because technically it's 8 a.m. on Sunday morning for everybody's brains. Is that why I'm so tired this morning? But it's 9 a.m. because daylight saving was last night. Man, I woke up this morning at my normal, like, you know, 7.45-ish to get ready. I was like, man feel so so much more tired. And I know you sent the message last night to get ready, you know. Like most of us, our phones are automatic. I didn't feel like I needed to send the message because the only clocks now that you need to change are like your stove and your microwave and in your car. That's yeah. it. Those are the only clocks that need changing now. Everything else is automatic and goes automatically for you. So it's like, and and I know that there are some people out there that still use alarm clocks, but most people use their phones as their alarm clock now. And it would change automatically for you. So, but I sent it out just in case. I was like, "Hey, just, you know, just a friendly reminder that we're losing an hour of sleep tonight." Yes, that's why you feel extra tired. I feel extra tired too. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, it's a little, little tougher this morning. Oh, there was almost a thought like, you know what, man? <sighs> I'm gonna stay in the bed for a little bit. But yeah, had to get up and go make the donuts. So here we are. <laughs> I did stay in the bed for a little bit, and then I was like, "Yeah, okay, I gotta get up." Yeah, it was like it because my alarm went off at seven. And it was like 7.50, and I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I got I to gotta go get into a shower. And right, work. you know, so it's kind of trying to peel yourself out of bed and doing all that stuff. But, yeah. you know, once you get up and get going, I'm, I'm almost for certain the crash is coming. So probably sometime, especially now there's no – I don't think there's any NBA games on ABC or anything. So 
yeah. you start like binge watching a show and then you pass out for yeah, two Yeah, right. Hours. The office is on and then it's just, you know, yeah, start stretching out and by the time you know it, I'm asleep. Take a little nap. Yeah. Wake, wake up, up and you'll be good to go. Yeah, get ready for dinner and do all do that or, whole thing. Or you won't. Or it'll be one of those naps that's way too long and you're going to be like, ugh, what have I done? Yeah, those three-hour naps, like, which, you know, feel great when you're asleep. But then there's that like 30, 40 minute lull, maybe an hour after you wake up to where you just feel like crap. You know, there's you can't really move. You don't want to move. Everything seems like such a task. Reaching over to get that water that might be like four or five feet away. It's like, oh, <laughs> I, I don't want to walk to the kitchen and get that. Maybe this is strange. I've lost the ability to nap well. I used, well, used to. In college, I could nap forever whenever i could just go into the bed and fall asleep right that was kind of like oh you were up late the night before okay just take a nap and you'll be fine or oh you know you got back from class and you're tired just take a nap and you'll be fine i really have trouble napping now because i think part of their part of me has fomo like fear it's not really a fear of missing out but fear of like wasting a weekend day like oh you just slept for three hours if three hours you could have just been like doing something you wanted to do and I, I think some of that is is that is in there for me. The other part is I, I fall asleep and then I wake up like thirty minutes later and I'm like, don't don't fall asleep, don't go don't don't take a nap. So I I, I have trouble napping now, and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing because it like it means I get to do more things I want to do, but sometimes I'm really tired and want to nap. Yeah, I just want to relax. I mean, but I just can't. I it's it's like a mental block. It's yeah, become mental. I can't do the the long three hour naps. I mean, I can, but I know that you know that feeling we were talking about is going to be there. But for me, I've kind of resorted to the twenty minutes. Uh, maybe you know, uh, hour nap in Quick between there. If I can get that in, like I can wake up refreshed, no problem. Like sometimes, you know, those those times where you didn't realize that you were asleep, and you wake up, it's like, oh man, I feel better than better than before. What are we doing now? You know, sometimes those little quick 10, 15 minute naps are all you really need to be like, okay, let's get back in the game. But yeah, man, I love the ability to nap, especially like right around early afternoon, two o'clock, something like that. That's the perfect time to just catch an hour and a half or so like that and just kind of knock out and then wake up and you still got the rest of your day because you wake up and still four o'clock four thirty, still the rest of your day to do whatever it is that you want to do i think today i'm going to be able to nap i, I think because i'm tired from not getting the extra hour of sleep i'm going to go home i'm going to have some food i'm going to pop the tv on and um i have a feeling i'm going to be able to fall asleep just fine and i'm not going to try to but it's going to hit me and then you know what Maybe I will try to, so I set an alarm because then I don't sleep for three hours and just feel terrible. And I'll just set myself a little hour alarm and just say, you know, sleep until this. Yeah, there you go. Be good. There you go. I'm going to set mine for like 20 minutes. <laughs> we had this text that came in. It says, I had to get up at five. I forgot about the time change. The important question there is, what time did you go to sleep, sir? Uh-huh. Did you go to sleep at midnight? And then that means you only got four hours. Did you still go to sleep at like eight or nine or ten? See, I'm fully functional on four hours of sleep. If I get four hours, man, I'll be good. There'll be that initial kind of getting over the hump as far as being tired. But after that is over, like, let's party. Four hours? Four, I mean, I don't know. Man. I cannot do that. I can. I mean, I can function, but then I I want to die. I can. I've had, you know, for some time for my job, we have uh, these 24-hour, you know, events or stuff like that that we'll end up doing. And it's, well, you it's, have to work for 24 hours straight? Somewhere right around there, yeah. And so in doing so. I'm uh, sorry. You know, you're making sure students aren't doing stuff because, of course, they're waiting for the adults to go to sleep ah. so they can go ahead and do dirt. So we have to be mindful about staying up and making sure we can kind of keep ourselves. And this is when we go on long trips or anything like that. If the students are in bed, uh, we are still up in the hallways and around places till about four, 
in the morning and then back up at 8, 7.30. One thing before we get into the rest of the sports stuff I wanted to bring up, Jesse's update, he talks about uh, the Italian soccer league, Serie A, is going no fans in the stadium for the games coming up for the foreseeable future. Italy's having a really bad outbreak of the coronavirus. I'm not really sure how it started in Italy. People were very worried that it just kind of like appeared in a random country that nobody had any connections to Wuhan or China or whatever. Um, but apparently Italy's having a really bad time with it. And they decided that for, for Syria, they're not going to play their uh, their soccer games in front of fans. And he brought it up in the update and I've been reading about it. NHL and, and NBA are deciding to limit access to the locker rooms. And I've seen that the NBA has had talks of also playing in front of an empty arena. And... <laughs> That would be so strange there, because this whole coronavirus thing is crazy to me, right? I understand that people are dying from it. It is certainly, it's certainly something that will affect people who are older, who have you know, not great immune systems. But it's also basically just the flu or the cold in terms of symptoms that you get. And most people will not die from this. Most people will just get sick for a couple of days. Some people might not even know that they're sick, right? They don't. They carry the symptoms. They don't even know that they have the symptoms. And I understand that it's a pandemic, and I understand that it's across the globe, and it's it's scary to see a one virus that there's no cure for, no vaccine for, just dominating. As Rashad takes out his Clorox wipe in front of him and is wiping down his table, just saying, "Hey, man, we share <laughs> we I, share a lot of spaces." I know this 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 station is a petri dish. Um, I wiped down this entire. Um, uh, studio yeah like last week this week the know. it's a it's it, I, I describe it as like a kind of like an adult school where everybody comes <laughs> here everybody gets sick it's a it's a disaster luckily i normally avoid it because i only come here and see you guys and normally you guys are smart enough to not come in if you get sick true that you uh, know i'm not coming yeah. for sure <laughs> rashad has, has bailed on that for he's like yeah man i'm sorry hey, man <laughs> um but my my whole point in this is is I feel like the freakout is at a at way too high of a freakout level. Like, it's it's a pandemic. It's spreading. There's no vaccine. That's scary. But the the news is literally hyping the S out of this to the point where people are getting toilet paper and water and just destroying Costco's across the country. Like, I mean, you're gonna get sick for a couple of days, people. Man, so if you're if you are a healthy human being, you will get sick for a couple of days. You will recover. You will be fine. You don't need one month's supply of toilet paper because of the coronavirus. And that's where I'm saying I understand that that companies need to take steps to be cleaner and to make sure that the virus doesn't spread. I get it. But I'm also to the point where I'm not going to let this stop letting me live my life because if I get sick, I get sick, and then you're fine, right? Uh, that's just kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I guess you're fine. I mean... I, it's hard to say the people that passed away are, you know, or, or you know, just kind of there's like a, a normal flu and everything. I know that the one thing people we've been hearing is from the flu. Yeah. The one thing we've been hearing is like, oh, they had, you know, this ailment or they had this going on with them. But by the way, like I understand the panic, you know, just because uh, this is something this is how scary movies start. You know, this is not for real. Think about it. Outbreak or any one of the uh, Planet of the Apes. This is how it starts, man. And like, you know, those people get sick. And then it spreads throughout everywhere. What's the, the 28 days later? Like, this is, all those movies start just like that. And, you know, people... Uh, yes, because this is a zombie apocalypse, yeah, right? I mean, we don't know. You know, there's there's widespread panic. And this, this Rashad, is something I think, that's... I think we all know that zombies aren't real. Spoiler alert. 
Speak for yourself, man. Like, <laughs> listen, only I man. Sorry to sorry to poop on your parade there a little bit, but uh, they don't exist. Yeah. I would be more in, like, um, like not believing in the concept of zombies, or more the idea that there's a virus, bacteria, organism, or whatever that maybe affects necessarily a the nervous system of your brain that directly affects the temperament of human beings. In which case, people going absolutely crazy doesn't necessarily i i mean that that seems something that actually could happen from a virus not not like oh we have to eat brains to live ah but like going <laughs> that's why i was like what are you doing? yeah okay. no but but actually just not being able to control your emotions that kind of stuff we're a very primal species right i mean you want to take the star trek level like like you kind of relate we could relate ourselves kind of the vulcans and we gotta gotta sometimes suppress them bad feelings and everything and if that something was affecting our brain in that specific center as far as a virus bacteria whatever that could affect us from doing that and doing things that humans probably would check themselves from doing so in that respect zombies no going crazy maybe but i think what what makes this more scary is the idea is that there's no vaccine we don't really know what it is where it came from and that we have seen viruses mutate and that's when things get scary is when it starts mutating and then people start getting more sick and then more people start dying because it's a different version, more deadly version of something that mutated. So, I mean, that's the scary things about virus right now. It's like, yeah, oh, we're, we're over overreacting, but I mean, all it takes is, Oh, what, this is different. And it just keeps transmitting. Cause what we, you we've, said about we've where, where the had, heck did it come from in Italy? Like that's yeah. what's scary, right? We've but we've always had these too, right? Like we've had SARS and there was MERS and there was you know swine flu and it there just was takes bird one flu. To go so it's farther. just like we have dealt with these before, and some have been way worse than I mean Ebola, right? Some have been way worse than this and caused way more death and way more distress on people. The funny thing is when I first googled coronavirus, this is like when it started. It was like coronavirus is the name of the common cold, and I went. Why are we freaking out about the common cold? And then I read about it and I was like, oh, it's a different strain of it. And da, 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 da. But it was like, it's basically the common cold, just different. It's and that's that's the way common cold sucks. Like, I mean, okay, it's not mind you, it's not it, it's it's not the most it's, it's not the most uncomfortable thing in the world, but at the same time, man, stuffed up, runny nose, coughing, well, sneezing, aching, stuffing head. You know, nausea, heartburn, indigestion, six feet underground. Yeah, no, they 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 they, have like pneumonia. I'm saying, like, I mean, pneumonia and pneumonia is terrible. Like, if you get pneumonia, that shuts you down. You can be in the hospital for quite a while with with pneumonia. So this is like, yeah, it's the flu. But I I understand getting sick sucks, but it's not like. It's not like the second you get coronavirus, like the flesh is falling off of your skin and your eyes are popping out of their sockets. Like you're gonna you're gonna feel like you have the flu and then you're gonna be okay. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You, you yourself. There are people out there who need to be careful, more careful. I'm not denying that. Older people and people who have underlying symptoms need to be way more cautious. But for us, I don't know. I mean, it's just it. Wash your hands. It please. It, it's it's simple to say that. Use hand right? sanitizer. It's, it's simple to say that. But I mean, you you think you got to think back like back in the early 1900s when the flu killed like over a million people in the United States. Of like, course. So, I mean, just it, wash your hands. 
it, just wash your hands. Yeah, it's so simple to say that. It's it's not because I mean, look at what I'm talking into right now. This is a petri dish right now. I can't clean this. Yeah, okay, I'm and trying not to. I accidentally brush this. Like like Swag gets his dirty little mouth all over this thing all the time. Rob you know, tongue like, kisses that one for the you, most like, part. Rob is tongue kissing that one every day. That piece of foam that your your face is so close to is discolored because Rob literally eats it every day. Like Rob is gonna come in someday and he's gonna eat you because of that guy. Gosh darn thing right there. Good catch. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Very uh, good. All right, let's get into the the, the sports topics of the week. Um, Nurk's back next Sunday, so we'll talk about that. Blazers are absolute hot garbage. We'll talk about that. Um, the Hawks CEO has a plan for the NBA that Rashad quite likes. MLB spring training has been uh, doing mic'd up players, which has been fascinating. They did a little bit last year, too, and I want to talk about that and how that could help bring in more viewers. And uh, do we really, really, really think the Saints are going to go with Taysom Hill as their starting quarterback after Drew Brees retires? That's all coming up on the show. Text in the fan text line at 55305. And uh, you can find us on social media. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Rashad's at TaylorMade503. Jesse Osman, A-S-Z-M-A-N. Station is at 1080 The Fan. We also have Hater Love It at 1030 in our number two. Uh, but we will start with the impending Nurk fever and the... Uh, already existing Blazers death. That is next here on Sports Sunday on the fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 921 here on your Sunday morning. Mike Rashad Jesse with you until 11 o'clock today. We will get to uh, an idea the Hawks CEO has about the NBA schedule change later. We will also talk some Taysom Hill. We will talk a little baseball, but we will start with Yusuf Nurkic finally making his return next week or a week from today, the 15th against the Houston Rockets. Hooray. Uh, so Nurk Fever will be back for 15 games, at least. Um, I understand that most people at this point want the Blazers to tank and don't see a lot of value in bringing these guys back. And I also want the Blazers to tank, and I have been wanting them to tank for a long time because you could tell, like, week four of this season, this team was not going to be good, right? This team wasn't going to have a great year. Uh, there's only so much Damian Lillard can do, and he did it in that really hot two-week stretch where they beat a lot of good teams and he scored 60 points every single game. But he got hurt. He's come back. He hasn't been super great since he's come back from the injury yet. Missed a lot of shots yesterday. Um, so I want them to tank. And part of that would be not bringing Nurk back and not bringing any of these guys back. But for Nurk, I think the most important thing is going to be the mental part of this. Because when you break your leg, there is a mental hurdle you have to get over in terms of trusting your body to be able to handle common moves. Nurkic broke his leg landing from a jump. Now, he landed on Jared Dudley's foot, but that happens for big men. There are feet under you when you're going for rebounds. It happens all the time. You have to be able to trust and go up with the full strength and full power that you have that your body will hold up when you land. And I think some of why Nurk hasn't been back yet is the mental side. Now, I know he has a cat or had a calf strain that was stemmed from this, but 15 games is not a lot of games. And it in my mind, gives him a, a perfect amount of time to become confident in his leg again so that next year we get the Nurk that we've always had. And 
that's why I think it's okay to bring him back. Even though most people seem to say like, no, don't bring him back. That's my, that's my long, long view take of it is he's got to, he's just got to get mentally confident again. He has to, and he can only do that in the live game. You can't do that practicing. No, I, I, I get it. But you know, there's also preseason where he can kind of get his legs underneath them and do some other things, some open runs. I just, I, I don't know what Nurkic coming back now does for the team other than, you know, give him the confidence that, you know, you were talking about as far as making sure you can do certain things. You know, we looked at certain players when they got hurt and then came back from injury and they just didn't trust it. You know, they tried to rush Kawhi Leonard back from injury and he just knew he wasn't all the way where he should be. And it showed and it really made him that uncomfortable to where he eventually end up leaving San Antonio or being traded from San Antonio to, and you know, the rest is basketball history, you know, as they say, but Nurkic is in a situation where he's, he's been hurt before, but he's never really fully got to heal. You know, he, when he get, and he kind of mentioned that in his interview, it was like, you know, he always kind of rushes himself back because he wants to do what's right for the team. So instead of taking the three, four weeks he needs to heal from a shoulder a knee and ankle or whatever the case is, I want to get back on the floor to make sure I, help my team this is you're gonna get a healthy use of Nurkic back somebody that feels like I don't think he would play if he didn't think that you know after he went came back to practice like what sometime middle of January something right around there yeah he returned to practice so you know I think he's had enough reps and you know ran enough to say okay but he but since then he hasn't practiced because of the calf strain this no yeah he the the, the calf strain which was which they knew was going to be a a side effects setback, you know, of, of the, of the injury. And they kind of, of yeah, yeah, they kind of knew that that would happen, but a calf strain that doesn't, that doesn't worry me, you know, like uh, now if you were talking about man and close to an Achilles or something like that, then yes, but a calf strain, I think, I think strains can lead to Achilles. And I think that worries people because of what happened to Kevin Durant. But I mean, really how often outside of KD have we heard of a calf injury really leading to that, uh, oh, I mean, and I'm sure it happens. Richard I'm, Sherman. Yeah, I'm sure it happens, but you know, it's it's few and far between. You know, and so I think Nurkic coming back will definitely help him get that confidence back. But at the same time, it doesn't do much for the Blazers because it again just locks you up in a first round matchup with the Lakers. And I, I honestly, I think even if Nurk comes back, you're four and a half games behind the Grizzlies now. Uh, with what 15 games left, something like that's that. Gonna, that's a lot to gain in in 15 games. You're not making the playoffs, and you shouldn't make the playoffs at this point. Where I'm looking at it and looking at, you're only two games from the third worst record in the West. The Suns are 25 and 38. You're 28 and 37. You just got housed by the Suns. Uh, Aaron Baines of all people, Wazoo's Aaron Baines hitting like nine threes in the game. My gosh, big man. white man can shoot. Um, so I, I, I think it's okay. I don't think Nurkic is going to do enough to push you into the playoff spot. I think that. I think that Blazer fan who is a really passionate, diehard uh, super fan who who hates losing and hates the idea of, of not making the playoffs will get really excited about this and think that Nurkic is going to change the trajectory of the team in the last couple of uh, last month of the season. But and I, I you know you see that on Blazer Twitter right like Blazer Twitter is like the epitome of that type of fan. They get super jacked about that kind of stuff. They fall in love with the players that aren't that great, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for me, the, this doesn't do anything. What does Nurkic on a really extreme minutes restriction do? Nothing. He gives you another big, right? For a little bit in the game, but it's still going to be Whiteside starting at least in the beginning or Nurk only plays for like five minutes. So it's still going to be largely the same team. And you were in a stretch where the Blazers were 
playing all teams that were sub 500. It was like a seven game stretch where after that Pacers game, it was like, oh, we've got to, that, that, this is where the Blazers are going to be able to figure it out. And so far, they've gone two and three. They lost the Hawks, got killed by the Hawks, lost the Suns, got killed by the Suns, lost the Kings last night, got killed by the Kings. And then three beat, trash teams. Yeah. And they beat the Magic and Wizards, actually played really, really well in both those games. But, I mean, this was supposed to be like a six and one stretch, Absolutely. and you're two and three. And you play the Suns again in a couple of days, a team that just housed you. So the season's not going anywhere. Everybody has to accept that. Nurkic coming back is not going to change that. It just gives him that chance that he needs to get comfortable on his leg, get the reps in so that next year when the season starts, he's at full strength and ready to go. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 the hope is that, you know, he's got those reps under him. Uh, he tr- fully trusts his body and fully trusts that leg and knows what he's able to do. Um, but I think those are the only upsides to this thing. Like, I mean – you know you're you're chasing down a Memphis team who I think is just better than you right now. They are. Um, your Pelicans are better than you. You're, you're followed by a Pelicans team who I think are better than you right now. Apparently the Kings are better than Apparently, you. Apparently, and the Suns, you know, who knew? And the Wizards. Like, all these bottom-feeding teams uh, in the East and West are teams that are making it interesting and beating the Blazers and then beating them convincingly. So I'm of the belief that, man, it's too late to make that big playoff run now that big playoff push. I think it's too late. It's March 8th, you know, today. The playoff the playoffs start what? April 15th somewhere right yeah, around there. Like so that. there's yeah. a month left. Yeah, there's about a month left and at this point the AC does nothing good for you except for give you four additional games against the Blazers, you get two or excuse me, against the Lakers, you get two home games where you probably get slaughtered, you know. I don't know if anybody saw what LeBron did to to Giannis the other night, but he made the MVP look average at best, you know, for most of the game. So, yeah, this Lakers team is is on a on a mission, and I don't really think we want to be the stepping stone in that DVD that they come out with about the Lakers' magical season towards their 18th championship. Um, by the way, you said there's not anything. I think Lakers-Clippers is today. Lakers-Clippers, okay, that's right. ABC. There we go. So I won't be taking a nap that's until a about 2. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. Uh, all right, let's take a break. Uh, Jason Quick wrote an interesting article. From yesterday's loss to the Kings. Not the Blazers. Well, of course it's about the Blazers. Jeez. Oh, I mean, we, we're talking about the Blazers. and it only, it only makes sense to move it that way. It just makes my head hurt. He, he said that the Blazers will get a pass this year because of the injuries. But should they for just how bad the defense has been? That's next. First, Jesse Sport. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I made a discovery just now. What's that? Not just now. That's a lie. A couple minutes ago. Um, so on Thursday on primetime, we were, they were doing a segment, and all of a sudden this woman's voice came out over the microphones. And everyone was like, uh, what just happened? And... I just accidentally triggered the voice. So I now understand what happened. We got a new computer in here. Okay. And I clicked on the Cortana button on it, which is like the Siri for Yeah, of course, for, for the for Windows. And when you click it, 
it makes noise out of the back of the computer. Now, I don't know if that got picked up over the microphones. I stopped talking because I made the I made the computer do its thing. That's what it was. I found out what it was. It was a huge mystery. We're like, was it a ghost? Like, what what is this random female voice that you that we heard over the air all of a sudden? That's what it was. It was Cortana. There you go. Cortana. From the Halo series. There we go. <laughs> now, I've used it a couple times. I have, you know, Windows at, at work and everything, there. but uh, it's, you know, I don't really talk to it. I feel I feel like Cortana and you know, um, Siri and Alexa. Siri, that's, I feel like it's the feds. It is. They're listening to everything. everything. Alexa, never turn off 1080 the fan. Yeah, right. There you go, people. There you go. You're now stuck on 1080 the fan forever. You're welcome. You're welcome. Best decision that you've ever not made. Um, so Jason Quick wrote an article in The Athletic yesterday. and uh, He's a pretty good writer. Yeah, I would say so. Fan Blazers insider. And um, he was talking about the Blazers defense, which has just been absolutely woeful. This year, they are ranked 27th out of 30 teams in the NBA defensively. Uh, defense under Terry Stotts has never been a strong suit. Uh, they've been twice in his tenure a top 10 defensive team. Two years ago, they were sixth, and then like five years ago, they were eighth. But generally, that's not a strong suit of the team. Last year, when they made the Western Conference Finals, I believe they were 16th in the NBA, so middle of the pack. Uh, he, he runs a very casual, passive defensive style. Uh, he doesn't like the bigs coming out on shooters. He likes them to stay in the paint to... to watch for the roll and watch the backdoor cover and that's why you'll see oftentimes Aaron Baines going off for <laughs> right being able to shoot threes points. uh you will often see that but you will often see I was looking thinking more when you see the center just back off even though he should be putting a hand up and defending that's part of Terry Stott's system um they also David Vanderpool was their defensive coach and he left to be the associate head coach in Minnesota this year um they made Nate Tibbetts the defensive coach this year, and it's not all his fault. It's not all Terry Stott's fault. It's a combination of things. Some of it has to do with the players on the team right now. Hassan Whiteside's not a great defender. His stats lie, a thousand percent lie. He has blocks and he has rebounds, and it looks great on paper, but watching him play, it's like, oh my God, he's constantly out of position, and he's slow to react to things. CJ is absolutely terrible on defense. He's terrible. Really? Um, Dame is fine, average. Melo's not good. Um, and their best defenders are all hurt, right? Nurkic is hurt, Collins is hurt, and, and Rodney Hood is hurt. And I think that's the crux of his article, and I think it, it leads to an interesting discussion, is how much leeway will the Blazers get from the fans, from the front office, et cetera, for being disgustingly bad on defense because of the injuries? Because I think the injuries are part of it, right? You lose Collins, Nurk, and Hood, and, and your defense is obviously going to suffer, but... I've always thought that Terry Stotts' defensive system was not great. It just was it was good enough because the Blazers could score a lot, so it didn't really affect them too often. But, I mean, it, his system is just it, – it doesn't seem to fit the current NBA, in my opinion. See, I don't know if his defensive system was ever good enough or the fact that at a point he had a lot of really good defenders. You know what I mean? Like at a point you had a Nicholas Batum who was a great perimeter defender. You had, you had a Wes Matthews who was a great perimeter defender. Uh, you had somebody like Rolo, and before that, uh, Joel Prisbilla, who was able to kind of, you know, stop, uh, kind of plug, clog up the middle. So you've had some guys that are pretty solid on defense. And now, man, you're kind of right. Outside of Whiteside, who's on paper your best defender, he leads leading blocks. So it's hard to say that he's not a good defender, right? So, but you're, if you're talking about on ball uh, defending or trying to defend that big man from. Out of the three-point line, there's not much he can do. The minute he gets past the uh, two of them, somebody's going to drive right past him. And so those are the things that worry me when we start talking about playing 
a team like the Lakers. We can talk bad about somebody like JaVale McGee all you want to, but if he gets that ball on on the perimeter and Nurkic or somebody has to guard him, then that first step to the basket, it's a wrap. Like he's just he, that's that's kind of what he does. You talk about any one of those other bigs, that's kind of what they're able to do. And right now, the Blazers don't have anybody. I think Trevor Ariza is supposed to be the best defender on this team. But he's 34. But Trevor Ariza is 34. And if we even talked about Ariza five years ago, I think every every Blazer fan would have been super happy to get that dude, you know, in a Blazers jersey. The fact is, he's older now. Melo's never been considered a defender at no. any point in his career. CJ has been considered a dirty player, but never a good defender at any point in his career. So you just have a bunch of guys that are great on offense. God, and that's pretty much it. The more and more and more that I watch CJ play, the more and more and more I just get frustrated because he's such a good shooter and he's so good at making his own shot. And when Lillard was out, he was able to do some of the, the passing and he was able to be more of the point guard and get more of those kind of stats and be more helpful. But it's just infuriating when he gets the ball and you're just like, oh, he's not passing it now. No, what CJ gonna is dribble a- into the middle and take a contested shot and maybe he'll make it. Maybe he won't. Or, oh, on defense, is he going around the screen? No, he's not. Is he able to stop somebody? No, he's not. It's just like, God, he's such a good player, but he's not a great player. But he's a black hole. Yeah, You know, CJ is essentially, an, an, let's be honest, an undersized two that takes a whole lot of shots, but are oftentimes they're not the best shots you want him taking, but he's a rhythm shooter. And once they start going in, he can, CJ can go off for 40. We've seen it. Right. You know, he can go off for 35 a night. Week, you know, yeah. you can absolutely see that. But then if he's not hitting, he's nowhere to be found. That whole, we talked about this, that run Dame was on, that, you know, 50 points, 40 point a night, you know, that that whole run, man, where was CJ in that in that mix? Letting you know, Dame do his thing. You know, and that was and that was the thing. Like, I think at this point, he's just this is who CJ McCollum is, which I think if he's in the Eastern Conference, he's an all star with what he's able to do. But here in the Western Conference with the starts top of the list, man, Dame and Steph and Clay and James Harden and hey man, like. You got to do something else. All those other guys do other stuff, right? You talk about uh, Paul George and Kawhi, and they all do this and that. I rebound, and I get buckets. I play defense, and I get, like, CJ, just even Dame, has become a playmaker, and he's getting buckets. CJ is just going to give you points. There's not going to be any assists. There's not going to be any rebounds. It's not going to be any defensive stops. It's just going to be points. And when those points aren't there, it's like, what, what else can you give me? What else, what else is there for you to give me? And there's not a whole lot there. It's, no, there's not. It's one of those things where it's frustrating, too, as a Blazer fan, where you're like, okay, they had a similar, like like Dame and, and CJ almost had like a similar start to their career where you're like, oh, this could be really, really awesome. The problem, the difference was, we've talked about it before, is CJ every, every uh, or Dame every year comes back, polishes up something with in his something game, new. and then really improves on something else that was a, a major defi- deficiency in his game. And it's like, I think, at, like, at some point, CJ just kind of end up being what CJ was. That that improvement curve just really tapered off. And I know we talked about it, you know a couple seasons ago, season ago. You know, should we? You know, should CJ be here? Should they try to go go out and get something? And it's like they really, I think, missed the boat on being able to go out and flip CJ into a really important asset like a three, something that this team has really, really needed for a, a very long defender. time. Absolutely, exactly, and. And, you know, and you could have done that while there was still some mystery as to what CJ could be. And now it's like, oh, we know what CJ is. And, you know, that that value of what CJ is has 
just tapered off to the point where you're stuck with them now. You're you're not going to get a good return for well, what his massive he is. contract starts in like a year or two. Exactly. So uh, it's just it's one of those things. It's it's upsetting because honestly, I think you, as great as CJ is, I think you could have flipped him for a player of bigger need for this roster a year or two, and then you would be in a better place right now. This team can find guards. They, oh yeah, they found guards. They keep finding guards. The, they they don't find a three. They they need to find a three. The the one guy I really thought CJ um, could possibly morph into, uh, or, or, or a player I compared him to for a long time, um, was Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, you look at their, you look at what they're able to do, you know, with the dominant ball, with the ball dominant guard on the floor, and how they were able to play their games, both volume shooters, but both didn't really give you much else, right? Monte Ellis is another good one. Yeah. Fast forward, and Bradley Beal is quietly one of the better players in the league. You know, class four man, Bradley Bill gets you get you some nice rebounds, some That's good assists. John Wall's hurt. You know, at least in, in John Wall's absence, he was able to step in and say, "All right, man, I got this. I can be an all around player too." And let me show you. And now, there's no question he's the best player on the Wizards. Before it was like, okay, John Wall, then Bradley Bill. No, no, Bill is for sure the best player on the Wizards. I look at him and say that's maturation in his game. We haven't really seen that outside of the scoring aspect for CJ. He came off the bench for two years, was pretty good. That third year as a starter, 20 points, never looked back. So it's hard to find another 20-point-a-night guy. There's, what, 30 of them in the league? 32? You know, the, the, I mean, there's not a whole lot of guys that average over 20, you know, and CJ just happens to be one of them. But outside of that... Not it's, not a lot of, you yeah. know, other stats. For outside him. of that, he gives you nothing, and that's the frustrating point. He's like Monte Ellis, and that's why... When the Warriors did what they did with Monte Ellis, everyone was like, what are you doing? And then it worked out for the best, right? Mm -hmm. You kept Steph Curry, and you were able to draft well, and you, you built a team that was, uh, that was you know, became a perennial title-winning contending team. Um, so the CJ thing is part of it, but it's also the defensive part of it, too. It's just the defensive system isn't good. It's just not good. It was good enough. It has been good enough, and it has been better depending on the individual defenders you have. So some of that's on Olshay, too finding the right individual defenders to put into Stas's system because he's not going to change it because he hasn't changed it, or at least he hasn't changed it drastically. I'm sure he's made tweaks to it. Um, that That's on Olshay too. It's not all on one person. No. Olshay has to put the right pieces into it so it fits the system. Stas has to make more tweaks, in my opinion, to make it a more viable defensive system, and then you need the players to buy in more, the ones that are sticking around, than, than some of them have. Is it possible to start looking at a new head coach? No. You don't think so? I don't think so because I'm just not sure. With, with how much Lillard loves Stotts, I'm not sure that's the good decision. Um, and I also think Stotts has done a lot of great things for you as a team. He's not – this is a negative conversation because the Blazers suck right now. But Stotts was the head coach for the team that made the Western Conference Finals last year. Um, Stotts has led multiple teams into the into the playoffs and a couple into the second round and has, has done a lot with a little especially considering the Blazers' limitations. So there's a lot of positives for him, too. But right now, it just doesn't look great because the team is terrible. And the defense sucks, sucks. Like, wide-open threes constantly. And again, some of that's on the players. Some of it's effort, right? There's only so much the coach can try to do to motivate you to play defense. So there's a lot of things into it. It's just, I've always thought that system was kind of... Isn't it his, though? It's it's his idea, but his offensive system is really good, you know. So you, it's like you got to take the the good with the bad. I'm just saying this sounds really bad because the Blazers stink. The defense is really bad this year, and a lot of that does fall on Stotts. He is the head coach. All right, let's break. Coming up next, uh, what is baseball doing in spring training that I think is great 
for the game, and I wish they will do more of it. That's next here on The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.51 on your Sunday morning. We're here with you until 11 a.m. today. If you missed any of the show, it'll be up on the Les Schwab Tires podcast at the end of the show. Get a little baseball in here. Got a couple of bits of audio for you. I don't know if you saw these. I know you're not a baseball person. But uh, throughout spring training, ESPN in their broadcast of spring training games, has been miking up players and talking to them live during the game. I like it. As action has been happening. Uh, So this is uh, Anthony Rizzo of the Cubs miked up, predicting the pitch that's going to come, and then it was right, and then getting a hit out of it. This will be the sixth pitch for the plate appearance. As it goes longer, do you feel better? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of can guess along, too. I'm feeling a heater right here because I've only seen one today from him. Oh, oh, oh. I'm going to go to her. No, I'm not. Wow. That's good math. Nice work. I'm glad the math kicked in at some point. You did analysis and play-by-play, and you hit there. <laughs> And I love that. I'm going to go for two. No, I'm not. As he's running. Yeah, no, if you good. watch the clip, he's running first. He's like, no, 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 no. No, I'm not going for two. So that was Anthony Rizzo. And then this is Freddie Freeman on the Braves, mic'd up when he was on first base. Oh, here we go. Oh, watch this. There's, there's a win, boys. There's a win. There's a win. There's a win. He's right. He's going to score. Right. There's a win. Come on. That is a catchable fly ball, and he knew right away it was going to fall. That's right. He knew the wind was going to be tough. He's cutting those bags. He knows right here. Watch waving him. Look at Give us a little slide and the point. I love it. That's awesome. He was on first, and he was running. It was a hit and run. And instead of going back on the fly ball, he was, there's wind, boys. Watch this. And he just starts sprinting around the bases, and he scored. That was That's awesome. That is awesome content. If you want to attract more people to watch your sport, which I know baseball does. Now, baseball is doing fine. Baseball generates the second most revenue of the American sports behind the NFL by a long shot, too, over the NBA and and the NHL. It's doing fine revenue-wise. But, you know, ratings-wise, viewership-wise, nationally, they want more. Regionally, again, it's solid for your teams. Um, This is a great way to get people to watch. This is a great thing even if it's just getting clicks on videos after the fact, mm-hmm. it's a great way to spread on social media just good time with baseball. So ESPN has been doing this with all their spring training games. It's been awesome. Um, but like those moments, that's a behind the curtain. People love behind the curtain looks, and that's a behind the curtain look that you would never have gotten in the past in baseball. Now, I don't think you're ever going to do that in, in the regular season, right? You don't want to distract players during the game, games that matter. Um, you don't want to do that, but... I wish there was a way that you could because I think that's just a huge way to get people to care more. No, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, you know, whenever you're letting people, again, like you said, behind the curtain and you're letting your, especially a sport like baseball who's been uh, really stuck in tradition as far as how they do stuff and 
how they market the sport and marketing stars and all that stuff. It's been, we can all agree, it's been behind, well behind football, way behind basketball. But this is an opportunity for them to really kind of reach out to that 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 next gen, you know, uh, fan. You know, those guys that want to hear more and want to know more. We live in this this social media era to where, man, guys just don't want to watch you. They want to know you. They want to know who you are and what you're about and what you do on the weekends. And it's more than just when you play on Sundays or when you play throughout the week. Like, they want to know who you are. And so I think this is a great opportunity to let people in on some of the great personalities in baseball. Like, we know who the good personalities in football are, right? We know who they are in basketball. I think baseball, it's tough right now because is Mike Trout the most interesting person in baseball? No. We know he's the best. He is not the most interesting. But he's the most interesting? Probably not. You know, Definitely and, not. Trust yeah, me. And, 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 and I think that's the that's the thing. Like, we want to – and he probably is. We just don't know. You know, the, the, he hasn't really put anything out there for anybody else to say, man, that's a guy that I'd love to have a beer with or right something like that. Right now the most interesting so, man in baseball is Trevor Bauer. He's a starter you know, for the Reds. used to be the Indians. Just, and he's the most interesting because he's super outspoken. He does not give a rip. And some of the stuff he says will probably piss you off because you, you, dis, you disagree with him. But he's outspoken, so he's interesting. There you go. That's the most so, interesting man in baseball right So, now. yeah, I mean, I look at somebody like uh, Bryce Harper. Interesting. It's so polarizing. You either love Bryce or you hate him. But either way, you're watching him because you want to see him fail or you want to see him succeed. One of those two. Like, So this is a good opportunity to let people in on who some of these guys are. You're right. They're not going to do it during the season. But I think they can. I think there's a way in baseball to find those windows to where you can have those interviews and those conversations and crack those jokes and stuff. Maybe it's just the the managers that are mic'd up. Maybe it's just your catcher. Maybe they only st- they only talk to you in between uh, uh, switching of batters or switching of innings or whatever the case is. Maybe they only have people mic'd up that are in the dugout. You know what I mean? Like I think there's ways to do it. Could you imagine if – let's just go back to 2004 and Manny Ramirez is you know the, somebody that they're talking to in between – uh, when he when when he's when the team is at bat and he's just in the dugout saying some stuff, talking to some guys, interviewing. Like, do you, can you imagine how how fun you know that would be for I just think, the average baseball fan? I think that would be huge because they they've done things like that in the past where you, you know you interview a player in the in the dugout mm-hmm. or you interview the manager during a during an inning. But if they're just mic'd up, and then obviously you can edit it so you you cut out curse words or whatever, and they're mic'd up and you just you hear their interactions with the players or. Then you can go to him and in an inning and say, hey, what are you looking at in this at bat here? Maybe he has the day off. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a star player who's taking the day off and you can do that. I think that's a great idea. I also like the idea that you brought up of doing it in between at bats or something. So it, it, the way I envisioned it was like the quarterback's helmet earpiece turns off at 15 seconds. Like yeah. you can't hear the coach anymore Yeah. to where it goes on and the announcer can ask the player something. And then once the batter steps into the batter's box. It, it cuts off. off. The player can keep talking if he wants, but there's no more questions or distraction. Yeah. And that that would be really cool. Um, I, I really don't think baseball will ever ever do it, but maybe not ever. They won't do it yet. Well, but the, the good th- seeing this, I think, should be a huge push for them. Seeing the reaction on social media from these should be a huge push for them to think of ways to creatively include live player audio into their games. And the good thing is, you know, teams usually use the use the preseason as a measurement of, man, could this work? You know, like we look at all throughout sports, like preseason is usually where the new basketball comes into play or when we use the replacement refs or whatever the case is. Like we have to figure out if this works and let's just use the preseason as the measuring stick to see, man, how good this is. And I think baseball is getting some really good reviews as far as, man, that was really cool. Let's see more of that. And so I think they're going to figure out a way to do it because if you know something works, and something for real works and people want to see it. Like, why would I, I don't 
baseball's slow, but I don't think they're dumb. It's so dumb to be like, no, that we're not going to do that. It's going to be a distraction. No, let's figure out a way to make this work and become more, again, the word I keep using is, is accessible because that's kind of what baseball hasn't been to the public for a long time. It's super, super <clears throat> accessible as far as, their, as far as their players and their stars. Right. I think, I think the latest push on Twitter from like guys like John Boy, the Twitter follower who did the – he found the Astros stuff and he did like the We're Effing Savages Aaron Boone rant video. And like he's become a very big Twitter follower for posting videos and getting the audio based on the crowd mics. Like he just gets the crowd mics picked up based on where he where he gets his audio from and he's able to kind of like do subtitles and stuff there's another guy called uh i think his name is rob friedman he's pitching ninja and he, he does all these overlays of like really good pitches um that stuff has started growing last year so the social media side of baseball is getting better and this just adds another element to it and i think that's just a, a, like you said it's it's accessibility the more, another layer is good the more accessible your sport is the more accessible small digestible clips of it are for younger people the better it will grow among that generation. Um, I'm a younger person, not as young as, you know, Gen Z or whatever they're called, but I'm a younger person who will sit or, literally sit down and watch three hours of baseball every day, all day, because I love it. But I know most people are not like that. And because of that, I'm looking for, con I'm constantly trying to think of ways that to get more people interested in baseball because it's my favorite sport to that, that is more digestible for people. And I think that's just a great way to do it. So anyway, uh, watch ESPN spring training. If you're around early in the morning, it's usually the 10 a.m. or like 11 a.m. game here. They throw on there during the weekday and, and here's some of the mic'd up stuff. It's really, really good. If you've missed it coming up next hour, we have hated or love it at 1030. Uh, we will talk a little bit of the Hawks CEO's idea for the NBA schedule, but I want to start with the Saints. Mm. Is Taysom Hill really their next choice? This is Sports Sunday on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 